Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Live life at your pace. Click the banner or go to visitwilliamsburg.com to discover how. Because here in Williamsburg, life moves at one pace, yours. Here, our waters are splashing and rejuvenating. Our history is for seeing and experiencing. Our theme parks are for riding and sometimes flying. And our great outdoors are yours for exploring and restoring. It's all waiting for you in Williamsburg. Book your trip today and live life at your pace. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, it started as an experimental rehab facility in California. It would later be called one of the most violent cults in American history. We'll go inside the Church of Synanon in the podcast, The Sunshine Place. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Rebecca, what was that we listened to on the way in? Oh, my God. That was an incredible custom version of our theme song inspired by the great Only Murders in the Building. Yeah, it kind of had that Only Murders feel to it. And it was, of course, arranged and played by our incredible listener, Jeff Brumley. And the vocals by listeners, Nikki Miller, Jessica Lyric, and Nanita Cranford. Did All you, over the work, did all you, over the place. Did yeah. you love it? I loved it. I loved it too. I, I just cannot thank our listeners enough for participating. And Jeff Brumley, man, you're a genius. And I, I think we should make an audiogram of that and put it in the world. What do you think, Kevin? Whatever work you want to give me, I will do. Oh, we have to do that. I guess we have our next theme song for when we do Only Murders in the Building Season 3. Absolutely. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the upcoming The Final Curtain, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hello, Rebecca. Yeah, the Water Street Bookstore is so excited with all the pre-orders that are coming in. And of course, people are buying puppies too, right? Well, they are allegedly giving out a puppy with each pre-order. I can't confirm that, but that's what I've heard. We legally can't back up that I love this myth. I love that you just start hustling the hell out of this. You're like, are you a cat person? It'll be a kitten. Are you a dog person? It'll be a puppy. Oh, no. They actually put on their Instagram. That's how this puppy thing started, this really cute little puppy picture. And they were like, hey, I want to order Laura Bricker's book. And so- That's how the puppy thing started. Perfect. And finally, our resident Doubting Thomas, the author of the City Trilogy, host of Strange Arrivals, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, future dog person, 
Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. All right. So, Kevin, we are back to our twice weekly schedule. Yeah, we're here on Thursday morning. So what is coming out on Monday's episode? We're going to be talking about the podcast Missing Pages. Yeah, that one's been getting a lot of buzz. I'm excited about that one. Has that sort of a literary theme? Yes. And a true crime theme? Both things together, yes. Kind of seems perfect for this podcast. One would think. It was tailor-made. Writers on, right? Very excited about that one. I can tell. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, we have a lot to talk about because tonight... We are talking about a podcast about a cult. So I think we should just get right to it. I am pumped. Let's go ahead and play that first clip. I came out and interjected myself into the conversation and I said, excuse me, are you my mom? And then she turned to me and she said, yes, yes, I'm your mom. She gave me a hug and she said, I've come here to take you with me and you're going to come live with me in Synanon. In the 1960s and 70s, Synanon emerged as an experimental residential program dedicated to helping drug addicts into recovery. But its founder, Chuck Dieterich, began to shift its methods from tender loving care to a type of group therapy in which participants and even their children would scream at each other during the so-called Synanon game. Well, when I first moved in, my first game... I was terrified because a couple of guys were mad at each other and they were screaming at each other practically out of their chairs. Tony, please take it easy. Dieterich reclassified the organization as a church, manipulating followers with fear and intimidation. Synanon would soon be caught up in crime and abuse, with Dieterich espousing violence to maintain control. And I think that we could, without too much effort, get a reputation that would be all over the United States within one year's time. Don't fuck with Synanon in any way. Don't mess with us. You can get killed, dead, physically dead. The Sunshine Place is hosted by Sari Crawford, the daughter of a former Synanon leader. While some credit the program for their sobriety, others say its messianic leader destroyed their lives. The podcast tells the lengths people will go to get help and get answers. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from The Sunshine Place. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. So, Toby, what do you think about all the voices we have in this podcast? Because we sure do have a lot of them. And in the first couple episodes, not a whole lot of narration. Yeah, well, they've got the right people to talk to to get. And I think one of the strengths of the podcast at the very beginning is that they give you sort of this prismatic, I guess, view of Synanon and that you get like a story about a guy who is an ad, an addict who talks about how Synanon saved his life. And then you've got a, a woman who was a child in Synanon and like how horrendous that was. So you're, you're getting all these sort of different viewpoints of it right off the bat, while there isn't a whole lot of narration, it's mostly just people talking. I think, A, they're pretty interesting, or at least the way it was edited makes them seem interesting. And B, you realize that it's a complicated subject, that it's a, depending on where you're coming at the group from, your experience and what you get out of it can be very, very different. And this is before it even like goes way off the deep end later. Kevin, what do you think about how they choose to open this podcast with these long bits of uninterrupted, non-narrated tape by subject? Yeah, they had uh, this one opening scene, which was this woman talking about how her mother came back 
to get her. And they were both dressed very similar to each other. They were wearing jean jackets and hoop earrings, but they had bald heads. My immediate reaction was that they were dangerous. You don't often start with a long clip without the host coming in or reorienting us or whatever, but it really worked here because what she said was like really, really interesting and really is a great way to start the whole podcast. Uh, a bold creative choice by really hooking you. And now you want to hear more about well, what the heck is this about? Why are their head shaved? And why is the family going? And isn't this about like drug recovery? And why are you saying that some people love this? For someone who was not familiar with the Synanon story, I was like, okay, I am, I'm in. I will say I love the use of subjects in this podcast. That is a thing about this podcast that I love. We often criticize shows for using extended bits of interview tape. Mm -hmm. They are used to tremendous effect in this podcast. Sari Crawford, who is the host slash narrator, is also in some ways a subject of the podcast because she's the daughter of one of the leaders of Synanon. I will say the one thing that's bad about this is that she repeatedly says, my family was tremendously affected. My father died because of X, Y, Z. And we still haven't gotten to that particular story. Yep. It just keeps getting teased and teased and teased. Uh, so I wish if anything this podcast has done wrong, if we haven't gotten there, it shouldn't have teased that. Like, don't tell us that in episode one and then again in episode three and then in episode four. Just don't tell us that. Just say, I'm the daughter of the people. Or... Tell your dad's story right up front and then tell the rest. But like that is the one flaw here because I really do love the fact that because all the people they have are freaking amazing. Like they even have Lara, the dudes who worked at the school who laid hands on children talking about the fact that they laid hands on children. And they're like, well, that was just corporal punishment. That wasn't abuse. Let me tell you my life story about how I got there and how I ended up laying hands. And every time someone tells one of these stories, I'm like, keep, keep, you keep talking because you're just like digging your own grave or you're like. Some of the, the people there were like, they understood this. You know, I wasn't qualified yes. to do that. I was Correct. I was told that I had to do that. Correct. And it made but sense. Also, the, yeah. Sometimes they're also just telling a story and it just is like weirder and weirder and weirder. And that's why I kept listening because I think the stories in this were just so interesting to me. They had so many voices of people that had been involved with this. And you're just hearing like these crazy details. Like, and then I saw my mother and I was like, can I breastfeed? And I was like 10 or whatever it was. And you're like, whoa, that's kind of weird. So for me, just like sort of the shock value of like not just one story, but multiple stories that were just so far out there. It just kept me listening. And of course, as soon as I start listening to this, I'm like, oh, of course, Toby recommended this podcast. <laughs> I was like, this is a Toby podcast. But there was a lot that was really interesting. And I think we've done so many cult programs on this show, but a lot of them, they start off and you think, hey, they have a noble cause. And this one actually, I think, had one of the more legit causes of a lot of the cults that we have learned about. I mean, it seemed like this is like the alternative to AA sort of situation because AA at that time wasn't dealing with people that were 
dope fiends. And if I hear the word dope fiend one more time, I'm going to scream. I'm like, is there another way? Or was this just a time period? And that's what we called it. I don't know. So there was, you know, when you're listening to this, you're thinking, oh, you can see how this started with an actual helpful, like this is going to be something that's going to be useful to people until it goes off the rails. Well, it's really interesting to me. So there's a lot of reporting around the recovery business and the recovery community and how there are so many opportunities for it to take advantage of people. There's a lot of it. I don't have to like name a bunch of reporting projects, but there are. This is such an interesting example of that and how it went to an extreme. So Chuck straight up saw a business opportunity, right? There was this like vacuum that AA wasn't dealing with people who were addicted to substances that weren't alcohol. So he's like, there's a business opportunity here. It wasn't altruistic, right? But then it was also like LSD was being experimented with as an illegitimate you know, I mean, I want to say it was legitimate. It was, but the government wouldn't endorse it. There's a whole other, as much of reporting there you can look at too. So he's like, I want to do this other thing, which is just sleep depriving people. Toby, can you just talk about that? Because this guy saw lanes and filled them. I mean, be, to be real, he went crazy later, but he did see entrepreneurial lanes and filled them. Right. And I, you know, I'm not quite sure on like the timeline for all these things. But a lot of the stuff he was doing isn't that much different than what a lot of other people were doing, like either right around that time or just after with sleep deprivation and particularly this sort of very aggressive confrontational way of dealing with people who are sort of quote unquote, your patients or clients where, you know, it's just this trying to break people down just by jumping all over them. You know, they, they talk a lot about it. It's called the game. And then later, he you know, he, he does an acid trip and decides, like with almost everything he does, that anything that happens to him should happen to everybody. Yes. But because he doesn't want to give them all acid, he wants to figure out how to recreate this thing. And again, this seems like very sort of 60s or 70s kind of new agey type, you know, by depriving you of sleep and like controlling your environment and stuff, we can make it seem like you're on acid, even though you're not. It's interesting in that he sort of gloms onto a bunch of different things that were going on in this part of the culture, but then he's sort of, you know, at least initially sort of applying it to people who are quote unquote dope fiends. But where I think the thing starts to sort of go off the rails is when it's like, you know what? It's not just for dope fiends. It's for anybody like this stuff because it seems as though there was actually some success, maybe, with, mm -hmm. with the people who had addiction issues. There's but, always some success. But why in that every would lead you to want to do that to like, <laughs> like random people who just kind of join because you have cool parties and yeah. like sweet songs about your uh, organization. So. <laughs> Toby, isn't there a success? I mean, there's a success in every cult. That's how they become cults. They well, wouldn't become cults if they weren't to have some success in some effect. way. But I, I think there's, you know, I think the difference here is that you take, like, instead of at random, take David Koresh, who is really versed in the book of Revelation, can talk for like seven hours about it and like sort of enthrall people in that way. I guess that's a kind of a success, but that's different than taking people who are heroin addicts and getting them off heroin, right? I mean, that's that's sort of a different, that's a different situation, a different level of success. Hmm. Kevin, what do you think of a man 
You can basically take something that he wants to do, like say cheat on his wife, and then convince everybody that they should do it too. <laughs> I feel like he was working out his own shit. It's amazing, everybody. Yeah, right? like we're gonna we're gonna do a thing where like and okay, now nobody can have a wife and nobody can have a baby. And <laughs> it's incredible. The yeah. whole thing where like I've decided that marriage is no good. So we're going to do an exercise where everyone's going to leave their partners. Yeah. And, but but it's OK. You're all going to be able to go back to your partners afterwards. We're just going to eschew marriage because like we it's a, de- it's a demonstration of lack of commitment being important. But really, it's just because he wanted to fucking cheat on his wife. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Plus, how sexy is everybody with a shave head? I mean, you look at you look at the guys and the girls across the room. You're like, oh, I want to get with that roll on head. You know, (laughs) well, there was that one guy that they should have listened to who was like, hey, we look like a bunch of crazy people. Like maybe we shouldn't all shave our heads. We need one volunteer (laughs) to not shave their heads so we don't look crazy. And I will be that volunteer. Laura dove into the shave head culture, right? I did. I did because I was curious about it. And here is a fun fact about the shaved heads in 1970. George Lucas needed a bunch of extras with shaved heads. Oh, right, right. And guess what? For his uh, movie THX 1138, which I'm not familiar with. Yeah. Um, and so he couldn't find people to fill the roles. However, he found the Synanon mm. and they got to be the extras in the George Lucas movie. <laughs> Super. <laughs> Isn't fun fact, fun? yeah, that was a fun fact. <laughs> fun fact, I thought it was a fun fact. It is a fun fact, yes. <laughs> I do love any cult that has its own song. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, oh going yeah. down off the center now, whatever the hell that was. Did you guys see that crazy video? Did you watch the crazy tr- video movie trailer I sent you? No. Oh my God, there was a movie about this thing and it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Synanon is a real corporation. Its business is junkies. Chuck Dietrich is the ex-drunk who dreamed it up and fights to keep it from becoming a nightmare. Get out of that car and shut up. Stand over there. Put your hands against the wall. Get in that cell and stay there. But nobody tells me what to do. So would you go see that movie? I mean, I probably would just because it's so wacko. Um, but it was like so bizarre because it was it was basically based on the life of this Chuck. What's his name? Chuck Dietrich. Yeah. And it was like just so over the top. It was like, ah, and like, and, and just, it was um like a three minute trailer and I could just watch it over and over again. Cause it was just, it was based on reality, but it was as far from reality as you can imagine. Live life at your pace. Click the banner or go to visit williamsburg.com to discover how, because here in Williamsburg, life moves at one pace, yours. Here, our waters are splashing and rejuvenating. Our history is for seeing and experiencing. Our theme parks are for riding and sometimes flying. And our great outdoors are yours for exploring and restoring. It's all waiting for you in Williamsburg. Book your trip today and live life at your pace. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. 
All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. All right, Kevin. So here we are. I guess it's time for you to do some business. Here we are in the business section. What have we got going on, Kevin? Well, right now you can hear the latest edition of the Crime Writers on After Show, which dropped earlier in the week. Uh, we talked about our trip to Dallas. Lara talked about her trip to the heart of Murdoch. 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 It's country. Oh, my God. It is a huge scandal. Murdoch. Just the pronunciation part. Listen, I'm all about Mandy's pronunciation. I know that she is the definitive... Uh, Mandy Matney's pronouncer of the Murdochs. All right. Well, we've already had that fight, so uh, we'll let that be. Coming up shortly, we're going to have the uh, next Deep Dive Book Club podcast. Toby recorded that with some uh, some good friends. Tell us about the book that you talked about. Uh, we talked about When the Moon Turns to Blood by Leah Satilli. And the guests were Janet Varney, Sarah D. Bunting, and Amber Hunt. Uh, it was the first book of the new season and uh, it's a it's sort of fast and loose conversation. It's it wild. Was, yes, things things went off the rails early, but in a good way, I think. Um, and yeah, so check it out. It's a, it's actually a really interesting conversation, talking about to a certain extent, like what what is it like writing a book before all the facts are known? Huh. So mm. writing a, writing a book pre trial versus post trial when when more facts are available. So it's it's interesting. Interesting talk. So I'm scheduled to be on like the next taping of the deep dive. Correct. But it's an older book. Is yes. it going to be fast and loose or is it going to be like manageable and cool? Because I'm now worried. Is this like a lot to live up to? Like what is going on in the deep dive? See, I, I find that I have almost no control over what goes on <laughs> on the deep dive. So uh, it depends on depends on everybody else. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully you'll, if you, if you can control yourself, we'll probably be okay. Busting like the Kool-Aid pan in the deep dive. <laughs> like that toddler gif, you know, that like, like little hefty toddler. That, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Janet Varney, the, the, the stone thrower. Like. So you can hear that and about 300 other exclusive podcasts at patreon.com slash partners in crime media sign up you can get all sorts of great stuff including the after show leave it to bricker and married with podcast and toby ball's deep dive book club plus sometimes we throw in other crazy things one other thing i want to tell everybody about remind them that rebecca and i will be at obsessed fest yes this is going to be in columbus ohio september 30th and october 1st yep i guess and it also goes until october 2nd that sunday I don't know. I don't have a calendar. I'm not good with these things. That sounds about right. Sounds about right. We're going to be there doing a couple of panels. We're also going to be doing a live recording of these or their stories. Yep. All sorts of great stuff. They got live shows. Of- Can I pinpoint of my panels? Please. Oh, go ahead. Pimp a panel. I'm going to be talking to Robbie Achaudry, uh for on stage. I'm also going to be talking to Payne Lindsay on stage. Oh. It's going to be real fun. Yeah. I'm going to be talking with the guys from Generation Y. Yeah. Big deal. And, and oh. if you go, there's also going to be a meet and greet with us, as well as a bunch of the other folks that are going there. <laughs> the actual famous people. The actual famous people. There's <laughs> going to be a live show of True Crumb Obsessed and Obsessed with Disappeared and a bunch of other stuff. So check it out at ObsessedFest.com. All right. So, Kevin, before we wrap up the business section, do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Our Patreon patron saints are Jennifer Thomas and Mark Savena. Bless you. Bless you guys. And thank you for everyone who supports us on Patreon. Thank you, Jennifer and Mark, everyone else. And for those of you who don't support us on Patreon, consider it. 
But even if you don't, we love you. Thank you for listening. And Kevin, I'm going to go ahead and fade that music out right now. Go ahead and do it. Toby. Yes. Synanon, there are so many things it's so close to. I mean, we listened to that podcast about those nature camps, those like abusive nature camps, right? That yep. stole all the shit from Synanon, yeah. sent away. Uh, and also the one that, that Josh Block did too, that was about the kids who went to that nature camp. And then Synanon is also so Scientology adjacent, right? Yep. They just don't have the ghosty things going into volcanoes, but they have everything else, right? What is the deal with California in the 60s? I know that there's these seekers who are like looking for places to go, but like, are they all looking at the same book? Like, the, are the leaders all looking at the yes. same book? Is there like a playbook? Called leadership for dummies? I mean, I'm, I know that you are an expert in this. Is there a playbook of like, they're doing this. I mean, basically, it's the playbook is so similar. The confrontational stuff, the yelling at each other, the auditing. The minute you have a question, you're an other. The separation of children from parents is also a Scientology philosophy. The work camp thing, the work training for jobs that you will never have in the real world is also a Scientology thing. Is there a book? I'm wondering if you know with your cult, you know, expertise, is there a book that they are doing? And should we get that book so we can also make a tremendous amount of money? Oh, should we write it? With a sales force selling office supplies to random businesses. I don't know if there's an actual book. But I think just a lot of that stuff was in the air. I've been doing a little bit of reading about some of these things, but some of this stuff, you know, you can trace to Esalen, which was a, it was like a retreat and education center that's in Big Sur. Like the human potential movement had all these people who had these like sort of weird ideas about psychology and how to, uh, how to get the most out of people and so on. And also drugs and other weird shit. But yeah, I think, you know, I think these were these were techniques and ideas that, you know, are used by a bunch of different groups in different ways and in different combinations. I was actually reading about the Weather Underground, which was, you know, a uh, domestic terrorist group, I guess. And they used a very similar sort of confrontational thing, but it was based sort of in, in Marxism. But it was the same ideas that you, you kind of break people down and bring them into a group. And this was like the opposite of a cult, right? I mean, it was absolutely atheistic. It was towards a political end rather than a religious end. So, you know, it's not like there's like a book you can get from Barnes and Noble and start a cult. It's like, well, don't let people go to the bathroom and make them stay up forever and, <laughs> you know, scream make at them, them. Run a lot. <laughs> scream at them, make them confess their sins and then tell them how much they suck and then turn it to the next guy. Yeah. So I, I guess that that's sort of my take on it. Kevin, what do you think of the game? And what do you think of children playing the game? It's fucking crazy. Yeah. That's absolutely fucking nuts. Yeah, I mean, I guess there is some benefit, some would say, in attack therapy. What? Some benefit, but I don't... Wait. I feel like I'm being attacked. (laughs) You should just scream at me. You fucking bitch. Yeah, but but as far as children doing it... It doesn't work unless you're you're an eight-year-old doing it. Oh, that's... well. it's. And so it was basically a lot of like arguing back and forth and them screaming at each other. I didn't fucking hide in you. You fucking act like a little kid. It's funny because there are people who, as they say in the podcast, say that this program really changed their lives and improved things for them. Like I think the guy's name is Mike. 
and it helped him. He was a dope fiend. I, I'm gonna. That's gonna be my uh, my new video game instead of best fiends. It's gonna be dope fiend. Dope fiend. It's fiend. a new drinking game. Fiends. Every time they say dope fiend, drink, drink, Do- drink. Dope they fiends. Say that's friends without <laughs> the R. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like it really helped him. I don't know if he's like endorsing it, but he's. Well, let's see. I mean, I, you know, not every program works for every addict every time, but I think that his admiration is sincere, and I think you can acknowledge that this helpful program also did horrible things just as easily as you could acknowledge this horrible program also did helpful things. Wait, is Mike the, the drill sergeant guy? The I believe so, yeah. But yeah. I don't think he ultimately think it, thought it was good. I think he was describing the positive experience he yeah. had and then later realized... Oh, like, yeah. I, mean, I think you could do both. Both things can be true. Both for some things people, can be true. He can for say, some, right. For some people, it did help them with their addiction or, or whatever else. But there are a lot of people who said, hey, that forced abortion, yeah. that wasn't cool. He can say this was, I don't think he ultimately thought it was a good group. He just acknowledged that it got him off drugs that time. And yeah. Then, yeah, I don't no, think, I, I, I don't think yeah. he's saying synonym yay. I think he's saying no, that, that help that me is, initially. I didn't say that. No, I, I know. Yeah. But it is interesting. The brain works in different ways for different people. Yeah. Like for some people, it's like literally all you need is for someone to like put you in a situation that's different than the situation you were in, which is what Synanon did. They put him in a warehouse doing push-ups. That worked for Mike. That would not work for other people. Yeah, some people, you know, this structure and discipline and things like that, you know, work for them and whatever, you know. So, Laura, how would you feel about having your children in a house that was literally called the hatchery? There was definite vibes of like the handmaid's tale here. You're a breeder. Having your child yeah. in a house called the hatchery. Or will kids snatch them? Oh, my God. I will tell you, if you have a plan to take your kids and bring them into a cult, perhaps don't call yourselves the kid snatchers because yeah. that's very, like, on the nose. Anyway, we were talking about the, the hatchery. hatchery. Yeah, no, there was so much fucked up stuff when it got into the children where it was like, and you only see the children when they're, like, barely little infants. And then you might see them once a week or you Six don't. And old, we. Yeah. And we all share the duties and we all breastfeed them and we all feed them and we all. And I'm like, that was where I started to have these sort of like really dystopian feelings like, OK, what's next? OK, um, only certain people get to have babies. Oh, wait. Yes. Now we're all getting vasectomies and you have to get special permission to have sex if you like somebody. And oh, wait, now we're getting divorced and this is who you can be with. But I feel like the children part of this, I mean, that to me was as I'm, you know, you think about what are the psychological effects of having young children at that age taken away from their biological mothers at such a young age. And yes, they're getting this attention, but at the same time, there's got to be some sort of, I mean, I just feel like there's some trauma, uh, that sounds like an understatement, some trauma there, but what the fuck? Going back to this started with a noble cause, helping people that were addicts. And now the next thing you know, it's just gone fucking bonkers. Mm. And now we're in this like totally crazy. It's wild. I mean, like what's next? Um, okay, we're going to collect your eggs and put them in the trout hatchery. And uh, in the springtime, we're going to bring them out and put them in the pond. It is clever. Though. It's not. It's too on the nose. There's literally nothing clever about it. Um, I want to talk about some of the production elements of the show because they actually are relevant. Mm-hmm. I'll just say straight up, I think the original scoring of this show is fucking great. It's all original music and it's done super well. And if anyone disagrees, it's okay. You can say so. I think it's done super well. I like it that they literally just say, you're about to listen to a recreation of 
tape of X rather than trying to fake us out. They say it. They say, this is a recreation of a tape of X. But I'm curious as to what you guys think of the use of recreations and the quality of them. Because they use, they say, this is a recreation of a cassette tape of Chuck. And then it literally sounds exactly like a recreation of a cassette tape from the 70s. Well, I'll say that usually I don't care for that, right? But I guess what I'm saying is I don't care for it when it's done poorly. Mm-hmm. I'll say that the guy that they got to play Chuck and his his readings, it sounds so much the style really mimics that of like a, an old newsreel. I went to a doctor one time and he told me that if I ever took another drink again, I would die. So I went home and got drunk and stayed drunk for about four years. The audio sound, the sound design of that with the hiss and everything, that sounds like an audio tape. But the guy's voice, the actor who's doing it, I don't know if he matches Chuck's voice, but as far as like, Signaling a voice of the way someone might sound on, uh, you know, on television or in the movies in the 1950s or 60s or something like that. That kind of resonated. It didn't sound modern. And I liked that. I think they did that well. I'm not. Are we 100 that all that tape of kids swearing at each other was real or it was recreated? Did did they say that was recreated? I think it was so fake. It sounded so fake. I don't remember if they said that was recreated or not. They didn't say, but they also said that they taped everything. Like whenever they had big things, they just taped it. So I I thought like it was possible. Hey, of cults. Yeah, right? the tape everything. Is equal to, yeah. But could you imagine also bringing kid actors in and being like, read this? Yeah. I did like when they said this is a recreation of an audio tape from Chuck and they did it and they could just told us what it was. But there were a lot of other actor recreations, too. What do you think of all of that, Toby? Yeah, you know, I guess the other all actor recreations didn't really sort of penetrate my psyche, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I don't it's not something I think about when I think about this podcast, because mm-hmm. I think that the actor who plays Chuck, Chuck's voice is so ubiquitous in this and the actor's portrayal is so kind of specific. Like it's not just like some random guy just reading it the way he would read it. I mean, it's like he's putting forward a personality that, I mean, I'll come away thinking that's the way Chuck Dietrich sounded right. Like that it's in my mind that like, that's his voice. So I'm kind of like, I should listen to if there's tape of him somewhere to see how accurate it was. Again, it, it's so specific that you don't feel like it's a, a voice actor, but not in a way that seems like you're being fooled. Yeah. It's just like this guy just sort of inhabits the part. And, and it's tricky. It's a tricky thing, but I think it works well here. I'll give you my opinion. We've complained so many times when they haven't told us it's a recreation, and we've complained when they have told us it's a recreation, but it's done poorly. This podcast tells us it's a recreation, and the recreation is done well. From As far as I'm concerned, there's nothing to fucking complain about. They literally say, this is a recreation of an audio cassette recorded in the 70s. They tell us when it's going to happen, and then it sounds exactly like a recreation. Of an, it sounds exactly like an audio cassette done in the 70s. So I'm like... There is nothing to complain about about this. Right. The other thing I want to say about not the production, but it it relates to it. The wire, the fact that there was this like intercom system that connected all of these locations of this cult and that you could be in like one place and like all of a sudden in your room, Chuck's voice could just be booming at you from like another city. 
and like he's scolding somebody, but he could just turn on like, how fucked up is that? It's 1984, man. <laughs> it really, I mean, instead of having a TV, it's a, it's a radio, but yeah, it's wild. That's fucked up. Chuck invented the podcast. <laughs> Chuck. The interactive podcast. You know what? You know how Chuck invented the podcast? It was when he was taking LSD and acid and he was like, I know the next thing. It's the podcast. <laughs> I see the future. I liked how he was like impervious to the effects of acid because he was a Superman. <laughs> I love when I start talking about how great the scoring of this podcast is. It's so the scoring is so beautifully integrated with the narration. There's even that moment where they're playing the archival tape they have of the woman who's the subject of the experiment, the LSD experiment. Yeah. And they integrate the scoring with her. Like I can see the molecules in the air and it's like the scoring comes in and I'm like, did the scientists put that music in? Cause that's <laughs> fucking awful if they did. And then I realized the scoring swells and it's the podcast. And I'm like, Oh no, they're just making it funny. <laughs> Cause it's just like, it's like this like psychedelic six. It's just really, it's like very cinematic. And it's like, it shouldn't surprise me. Cause like Robert Downey Jr. And his wife made this and like, they know what the mm. fuck they're doing, but like, I don't know. I yeah, just writing a big check. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Kohler Smart Toilets introduce a new standard of design and cleanliness, sculptural forms, intuitive technology, and total personalization with integrated warm water cleansing, heated seats, and warm air dryers. For peace of mind and convenience, there are touchless lids, seats, flush, and a self-sanitizing bidet wand. Now you can even use voice commands with Numi 2.0, featuring built-in Amazon Alexa. Explore the complete lineup at Kohler.com slash smart toilets and discover what you've been missing. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. So let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out The Sunshine Place? It's a podcast about Synanon, which, of course, is a cult, one of my favorite topics. <laughs> Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for The Sunshine Place? Yeah, I'm going thumbs up on this. I thought this was really interesting. I liked we heard lots of voices from people that were involved in The Synanon Project. I mean, there was just crazy stories, which are something that I always gravitate to. There were anecdotes about things that happened there that I, you know, couldn't even believe were true. So I was just absolutely fascinated so much so that, of course, then I went on my whole like down the rabbit hole researching this um, after I listened to the podcast. So I just thought it was it was well done. It was told in a compelling way. And who doesn't love a good cult story? Right. Toby Ball. Yeah, I mean, I think the story is, is, is super interesting, but I, I think what makes me like the podcast even more is I feel like they make some unconventional and kind of risky choices in how it's put together, but they work, right? So it's like things that you kind of expect to fall flat or whatever, or just be 
be frustrating or, or take you out of the story or whatever, but it, it all seems to work. So I, I just, I, I think this is a really good podcast. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, so a big thumbs up. Kevin Flint. Yeah, I'm going thumbs up. I uh, like the way they told this story. And they had all like all these great voices, different uh, angles. They covered them all. You know, it's just a, a a very competently put together podcast. You're right, the scoring's good, and the recreations were done well. And who doesn't love audio of kids telling each other to fuck off? You know, it's <laughs> it's like bad news bears on on acid, which is what they were. So thumbs up. Yeah, I like this podcast too. Thumbs up for me. There's only one storytelling flaw, which is that they keep teasing a climactic thing related to the narrator that still hasn't happened. And I would just say to whoever storyboarded this, get on with it. You didn't know. I would say, don't get on with it. You didn't need to tease it. You, like don't tease it to keep me in the story. I would have preferred if that just happened later or like either put it at the beginning or don't tease it at all because it happens like three times at the beginning of an episode. We keep hearing, I mean, it's not a spoiler because she has the be- like my dad, this, and then you hear it a couple more times. I don't need to know that because it still hasn't happened. And I'm like, I finished with episode five at this point. So just don't do that because we still haven't gotten the payoff of that. Um, other than that, this podcast is just put together so well. And it's so it's like meandering, which for other kinds of stories, like the one we reviewed earlier this week, doesn't work well. But for this kind of story, it works very well. And there's so many good sources in this. And there's great stories around race and there's great stories around child abuse uh there's just like a lot happening and a lot of culty stuff and um i don't know it really works it's just beautifully beautifully done big thumbs up for me for the sunshine place all right that's gonna do it for us but before we go laura bricker i have to ask do we have a cat of the week this week we do rebecca and i'm gonna need you to tell me about this dog of the week that you met in texas because i have a picture of you with a little dog and apparently you almost dog-napped it. So is this a cat of the dog week, snatch. dog of the week, or is this a crime of the week, Rebecca? Are What's you talking about Wheezy? I think so, yes. All right. So we were at our meetup in Dallas. Kevin, what was the name of the bar? Atlas? Atlas uh, Bishop Arts Craft Cocktails. Yes. And we uh, <laughs> were there, and I went. I had to take a little trip to the ladies and I turned around and there was a little Frenchie right there and I was sitting there with its family and I walked by and I said to the woman who was holding the Frenchie's leash, she was there with, it, what, with the dog was there with its parents and the whole family. And I said, can I pet your dog? And the woman was like, of course you can pet my dog. And I was like, your dog is amazing. And she was like, yes, my dog is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, and I was like, what's your dog's name? And she was like, my dog's name's Wheezy. And then I was like, oh my God, Wheezy licked me. And she was like, yeah, Wheezy licked you. And I, the <laughs> whole stage, I was like, the way this woman is talking about her dog is the, as the way I aspire to talk about my dogs forever. I was like, your dog is incredible. She's like, yeah, my dog is incredible. Oh. Like, so affirmatively <laughs> wonderful. I felt so lucky to have met Wheezy. Wheezy was a freaking incredible French bulldog. It felt like an experience, not just a dog interaction, but a dog experience. I'd recommend anyone who runs across Wheezy in Dallas, soak it up. You're never going to have a dog interaction like that ever again. Oh. Yeah. All right, Laura Bricker, if folks want to try to, like, find Wheezy and send you pictures of Wheezy or send you, pitch you their pets to be pet of the week, of course, they can email us at crimewriters.gmail.com, put them on our Facebook page. But if they want to pitch you directly, how can they find you on Twitter? 
They can find me at Lara Bricker. And Toby Ball, if folks want to pitch you their cult stories or tell you their cult stories or send you podcast ideas about cult stories, how can they find you on Twitter? At Toby Ball NH. And Kevin Flynn, what about you? How can you be found on Twitter? I'm at www.twitter. Dot com slash Kevin P. Flynn. Oh, Mandy Matney's never going to live that down, is she? No. And if you want to... She's got more Twitter followers than I do, so <laughs> who has the last laugh? If you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. Follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On, and please join our incredible community and our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. It's wonderful, it's inclusive, and it's nice. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You get the Crime Writers On after show, Married with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons, arranged this week by the incredible Jeff Brumley. Our line editor is the incredible Olivia Burdett. The executive producer of this fine program is Kevin P. Flynn. This show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, The Closet, in our New Hampshire basement where we are starting our very own hatchery to breed the very next but last generation of Crime Writers On hosts. On behalf of all the Crime Writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. later. You didn't like my one? I made up a new one. Oh. I have the closet in our basement where we scream obscenities in each other's face, even when we're not playing the synonym game. Well, that's true, that too. Good. Yeah, I was better. All right. Yeah. Suck it, Lavoie. Okay. The closet in our New Hampshire basement where we scream obscenities in each other's faces, even when we're not playing the synonym game. All right, use that one. Yeah, whatever. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. How was your poop? (laughs) Oh, my God, Kevin. How about we do that again? Hello. (laughs) You think? She's going to take you outside and call the owls. It's fine. It was just a kale. I had a lot of kale today. Partners in Crime crime media. Media. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.